Hey there, I'm Jess Jordana, copywriter and brand messaging strategist for online business owners and your host of the Feel Wealthy Show, the podcast that has basically nothing to do with any of that, but also everything to do with it at the same time. See, all of us listening are pursuing some version of more. Maybe it's why you started your business, or maybe it's why you find yourself constantly dreaming, what if? But in this pursuit of more, I've found that we're absolutely starving for examples of those of us who are soaking in, celebrating, or even just noticing the more that we hold right now. I believe you can have it all, and I believe I can too, but real talk, It rarely comes all at once, and quite frankly, magic is easy to miss in the making of it. So on the Feel Wealthy Show, I'm bringing you alongside myself and other successful people as we explore a tangible, concrete meaning of wealth that not only changes our lives, but also changes our days as we practice feeling it now instead of holding out hope for later. Hello, Kim. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Feel Wealthy Show. I'm really excited to talk to you, quote unquote, face to face today. We're totally face to face. I'm so excited to be here. I'm. This is one of my favorite topics, so I can't wait to see where the conversation goes. Yes. So, um, for those who haven't been introduced to you yet, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got here. You know, the typical podcast intro stuff. Yeah, I'll try to keep it to the the short version. So short version, what I do, I'm a business coach and I blend a combination of clarity and mindset with strategy and action to help my clients learn how to think like a CEO, step into that CEO role, run their business like a business so they can make sustainable six and seven figures on their terms. I've been in business for seven and a half years. I've generated million point two from one-on-one alone in the past four and a half years. And my clients have done everything from six figures to a million dollars plus, and have some really great client results, but we really do focus on that combo. And in terms of how I got here, I will, (laughs) it's such a long, long story, but like short Mm -hmm. story, trying to condense it in. I got a degree in psychology in college and my other love has always been acting and performing. And I was raised by a father who is a race car driver and instilled in me that you can make money doing whatever you put your mind to and to follow your heart and passion. And so I moved to LA, had never been there before and spent 10 years doing the acting thing until I no longer loved it, picked up, moved to New York City, started over, kind of unexpectedly found coaching through a conversation and started my business that way. And here we are seven and a half years later, but it was a very sort of non-linear path to, to finding coaching and to seeing like, holy shit, I'm really good at this. And I really love business. So that's yeah. I'm happy to share more, but I know that's not necessarily our I combo love that. today. Yeah. I, I would like to dig into, because I know we've had a conversation before. I don't keep track of when and where our conversations are. So who knows, but we've talked before about the fact that you, um, felt like moving from LA to New York was kind of like creating space for something new. So did you move from LA to New York with any sort of intention in mind, or was it truly just like, okay, new space. I'm going to see what comes to me, that kind of thing. That's a good question. So I came on vacation to New York city with some girlfriends and literally had one of those feelings where I'm like, I need, I just need to live here. There's no rational reason. I had a great life in LA. I 
had was making great money. I lived in the Hollywood Hills. I had a dream apartment. Like I had a pretty idyllic life. I was like, I just need to move here. And I joke that a cab driver told me I'd be a millionaire if I moved here. And that's why I moved. But a cab driver really did randomly tell me that. That is so cool. (laughs) But I was in a season with my acting career where I will love acting. I will be an actress for my whole life, but I stopped loving the business of acting. Mm. And I was ready to shake things up. And LA is a very... So it's a one horse town. It is for as big and expansive as it is, it is all about the entertainment industry. So I also was in this mindset of it's really going to be tough for me to see the forest for the trees and what's next for me if I stay here. So I think it just all culminated at the right time where I moved here essentially to start over because I just needed a blank slate to throw paint at and to see what was going to be next. I had no idea what that was though. I started first in the advertising industry thinking like that was my thing before finding business. Okay. That is so interesting because I feel like that is such a cool mindset shift to think. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'll start something new when it comes to me. But instead you were like, I'm going to go to the new thing and like see what opens up there. And I think that is so cool. Um, So when do you think was the first time we're talking about like your coaching business now, when do you think was the first time that it struck you and you thought, oh, wow, I'm actually like doing this thing and making money. Like this is actually happening. I'm pausing because I actually want to be really honest because I think Kim today, who's making a certain level of revenue wants to tell you like the amount that seems like rich, wealthy yep. to me now. Yes. I, I really honestly think when I got my first client that was like $500 a month and they got results. I mean, my first year in business, I think my first client who made a million dollars was paying me a hundred dollars a month. But I just remember thinking, oh, I like, I can actually do this. People are paying me real yes. money and they're getting real results. So I mm-hmm. really think it was then when I was making like thousands per month that I was like, the this is people are people, strangers on the internet are paying me money and I get to do the work I love and they're getting results. And yeah. that was probably the moment. And I think when I probably had my first 5k month, we, I think this is okay to share. We have the same coach. And I remember having a call with yes. Lacey where I was like, I feel like I've made it. Like mm-hmm. I feel so I'm making $5,000 a month because my goal was making 60 K a year when I started this business. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're making far, far, far more than that now, but that wasn't even on the vision board when I started this business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. And I feel like it is so challenging in the online business space as it is today, because as quickly as you're like, oh, this is so cool. Like I'm actually making money. There's a post somewhere where somebody's making the right amount of money and they tell you, you can do it too. And you're like, oh, well, I'm making some, but it's not enough kind of thing. So I think there's an element of, and I say this phrase a a lot, but an element of letting the good be good that is so necessary in business as you grow, because if you can't soak in the good of your moment, then you're just going to feel not enough at every single turn. And that's kind of like, where I have found myself before and where it can be really challenging as a successful business owner. And you're just like, but I'm not there yet, but I'm not doing enough yet kind of thing. So I love that that was a big part of your beginnings and journey there. 
Yeah, I think there's something so true to that. I have for sure my mindset trash I've had to work through, but I think one of the things that's made things easier for me because I'm not an overnight success story is I've just so been excited about the little wins every Mm -hmm. step of the way and just genuinely been like, I cannot believe this is my life. Even when to someone else, it would have been like, really, that's what you're excited about, Kim. But I think that like, like what you're speaking to, letting the good be good has just carried me and allowed me to enjoy the ride and stay in the process until the bigger results have come along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that would be even just like a helpful journal prompt. Like I cannot believe this is my life. And then just like go kind of thing, because it really just like points you to those things that you don't, you kind of discount or don't think are enough in the moment. but. I want to kind of head into the direction of mindset trash a little bit. So can you tell us what one struggle or kind of like money mindset thing has been that you've really had to work on any sort of common thread there? Yeah, there's two that come to mind for me. And maybe this is helpful for everyone to hear. I find for myself and for many of my clients, the stuff that comes up around money is rarely ever about money itself. Mm -hmm. And I think money is just such a good lens for us to look at what's coming up with us everywhere in life. And so the two biggest things for me, and this has been at every single revenue stage, every stage of business, it's sort of like it resurfaces with like a new outfit on. The first one is safety is a really big thing for me. And I just have some trauma in my past as many of us do. So it's sort of like no matter how much money I have, it never feels enough, not because I have I lack mindset or because I don't feel grateful for what I have, but literally because I have such a fear, like the bottom is going to fall out. It is Mm. all going to disappear and it's going to be out of my control and I'm not going to be able to survive. And so that's just been a a reoccurring theme in my life in different ways. And money's just one way that shows up that I just have to constantly look at. And the other really big thing for me is had a lot of bullying when I was younger and just that like people are going to come after me and hate me for the good things in my life. So I hit a ceiling where it's like, oh, this time it's finally going to be too much money and everyone is going to just come after me and hate me. And that's just like as honestly or as transparently as I can be like just been a hurdle. And I think that's been the one where it's like it that one definitely doesn't go away because I want to keep making more money. And Mm -hmm. at every level, it's like, oh, this is just the stuff I've got to sit with. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So much to unpack there. I feel like the, the idea of the first mindset thing that you talked about, the bottom will fall out or I won't have enough or I won't be safe kind of thing. It's so interesting that that is not necessarily, I don't think every mindset is something that you have to fix or correct. Like that is something that you can just know is your thing and you can construct your business around that um, instead of like making yourself wrong for it. Obviously you note when that's coming up, but do you find that you've kind of constructed your business accordingly? Yeah. I'm also just really aware of certain things that help my nervous system feel regulated. I'm someone that just tends to feel better with a little more savings in my account than maybe somebody else would, but I'm also really mindful. I can be an oversaver because of that and where it can sort of bite me in the butt because wealth creation is important for me. And at a certain point, if we're keeping money in a savings account, it really doesn't do us any good. So yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is the awareness on this one. I know what it's about. I know it actually has nothing to do with money. I know I'm actually safe. I just need that reminder. And whenever the like fear part comes up for me, I usually know something else 
is going on that's triggering that that just needs a little mm-hmm. attention from me if that's helpful for everyone to hear i think so often it's again it's rarely about the money itself yeah for sure yeah and i think the same thing with like the visibility or the just like people coming after you kind of thing i can so relate with that too and i think that a lot of times is why i feel people are hesitant to feel wealthy in the moment because it's easier to identify with people to be relatable if you stay in your victim mentality. And so I think that is just a a pathway that our brains are more used to. And it's difficult to break out of that and really keep yourself elevated in that. Do you feel like you've gone through that in terms of just like how you approach conversations with people or anything like that? It's so much, yes. And I mean, I think I've done so much work around that, but it's also something I see my clients and support them with. I talk a lot about hiding in plain sight and taking up space. And I think it's just a way we hide in plain sight because I think what we can do is sort of like, I'm, I am successful, but I'm just going to shrink back and not own that I'm successful. I'm not going to own that I'm making great money, or I'm not going to own that my life is really fucking amazing. Right. It's, it's, I think that's a way that this can really manifest. And so for me, I've had to practice leaning into like, yeah, things are actually really good. And also encourage that in clients because that really will hinder you in business. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. The biggest thing that I've had to work on is I mean, it's kind of along the lines of accepting compliments, but when somebody's like, oh, I love your sweater. It looks so great on you. I'm like, just say thank you. Instead of saying, oh, I got it on sale or like, oh, I've had this forever. Like you just kind of downplay any good thing. And that can hurt you so much in terms of just like your own mindset, because you're not owning that abundance and like success that people are pointing out. So yeah, Yeah, it's that apology we want to put in where it's like, oh, your business is doing so well. And I might want to be like, oh yeah, but it's hard. Let let me tell you how (laughs) I've worked so hard when actually it's not that I don't work, you know, put in the work, like when it actually feels really good and pretty easeful to me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's exactly that. It's just those places we want to shrink or diminish or downplay, but then we start to tell ourselves those stories and believe them as well. And I think that can be so detrimental. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I want us to zoom out a little bit. And before we get into your actual feel wealthy list, can you tell us kind of what wealth or abundance means to you in your life? Cause I think this is different from person to person. Oh, it's such a, I'm like, what do I, it's your a big questions question. are really good. It's a big <laughs> question. And I'm trying to think of how I want to how I want to phrase this. A couple of thoughts come up for me when I think of wealth and abundance, when we clearly just talked about safety. So I think there is an element for me of wealth to me feels like safety, but in this way of like, I have safety of choice and freedom of choice. And I really get to discern and choose the life I want to live and know that I can support that. It's so much, um, my whole life has been around doing the work that really lights me up, whether it's been acting or now coaching. And I think there's such a freedom that comes with wealth. And I think it's a big part of that. And the other thing that comes up for me is I really think about abundance and wealth as how it supports, I guess it's all part of the same thing, but how it supports us getting to live the life we really want to live. And Mm -hmm. that to me, like I feel so abundant knowing that my husband and I are both because we have financial freedom, getting to do the work we 
truly love and that we get to enjoy our lives the way we want to. And that also, if God forbid something happens, we have the resources and the privilege because of that to take care of ourselves in a way that otherwise we wouldn't be able to. So I'll pause there because I could probably just go down a whole rabbit hole there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is so helpful. Yeah. I think it's the, the safety kind of bleeds into the enjoyment of it, right? Because it allows you to fully enjoy because you don't have to worry about the safety thing. And so it's kind of that like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like once safety is covered, then you can go to self-actualization and things like that, where you can really get into that fulfillment and purpose. So I love that. Okay. So let's get into your list. What are, I'll kind of explain again for everybody listening, what the feel wealthy list is in case this is the very first time you're listening. Basically you're feel wealthy list is something that I have mine in my notes app. And it's something that you kind of just take note of the tangible things in your days and in your life that help you feel elevated, abundant, and like you have the life that you're really aiming for right now. And so it really can help you be present to what you already have, even if you don't have it all at once. So Kim's going to share hers with us. So let's start with number one. Yeah. So I'm going to, I have a couple that are like really small things. And then some like yes. bigger things. So the, the okay. first one here is maybe going to sound a little silly for everyone. So I'll give some context, but mm-hmm. it's having so much overflow that I can get coffee out anywhere I want in the city, anytime I want. And this is not a Dave Ramsey thing. This is when I was starting my business and I moved to New York city and I had started working with my coach. I was living so tightly, like for paying like New York city rent and all the things. And every penny went back into my business that after all Mm. my expenses were paid, I literally couldn't afford a cup of coffee out because there was nothing left over. And it is just one of my simple pleasures and joys is to, there's so much good coffee in the city to get a good cup of coffee with my husband and just go for a long walk. And it feels so wealthy to know literally every day for the rest of our life, we could go get coffee out, go for a walk and it would never make a dent. So that is like my number one on there. I love that so much. And I love that. Like, it's not just the coffee itself. Like, yes, it's like experiencing the good coffee because yum, but it's also just like elevating the moment itself of like the walk feels more fun if you can have a fun drink with you or whatever and not have to worry about like oh did I spend too much on this kind of thing and so I think it's just like that freedom in being able to have your everyday moments feel a little bit extra or more Totally. I'm going to share one little other dorky thing on this. When I was in college, I did. Re- I thought I was going to go get my PhD. So we were doing a lot of research. And mm-hmm. one of the things I was researching was helping an author was around like p- actual happiness and like what makes you have a higher happiness quotient. And one of the things was literally savoring the little things and that we get more happiness from the small everyday things and from the big banner moments like graduating college or making a million dollars. And we think it's in reverse. So I've just literally had in my mind since college, these are the things that actually make us happy. And I think it's everything you're talking about. There's such an abundance and overflow of, I could have this every day, but it it is such a savoring moment and Mm -hmm. like it makes you feel wealthy. So there's some like nerdy science to it as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So savoring, can you explain that? Like Like what savoring is? Yeah. So savoring is a form of gratitude. Savoring is literally stop and smell the roses. And Mm -hmm. it's what we high achievers tend to suck at because we're just always like onto the next thing, onto the next thing. So it's like, I will be happy when I make a million dollars versus 
I just made $500 and like, let me really relish in this and go buy a cup of coffee and like savor Mm -hmm. like this and how great and abundant that feels. It's the difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the, yes. I feel like it falls on the spectrum of like gratitude, celebration, savoring, like they're all kind of different sides of the same three sided coin, (laughs) but they're, they're all, they're all a part of the same. And like, just to be super nerdy, they all fire up the same part of our brain. So they all fire up the reward system in our brain for everyone who cares listening. So like, it literally is giving you a dopamine drip. It's sort of like doing cocaine without having to do cocaine. Yes. Which we love. And I think everybody uses that word saver, but I think like part of this like practice is like thinking and breaking down, okay, what does it actually mean to like savor something? Or what does it actually mean to feel abundant or whatever so that we can create that in our right now, which I think is so, so helpful. Okay. What would you say? I also am a fan of coffee in general. So I'm a fan of- Yeah. So let's, let's just be honest. And and I yes. like some really good coffee. So it just yes. feels very wealthy to like get the good coffee and like yeah, life's too for short sure. for shitty coffee. Um, for sure. Okay. I will not talk forever about coffee though. So some of the yes. other, other things on my list. So the next mm-hmm. one here is maybe not quite as tangible, but hopefully this will land for everyone. I feel very wealthy knowing that we have the abundance and overflow. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but that my husband and I can both literally live our life by design. And we very intentionally work to do that. My husband's an ex-actor. He got laid off just after COVID. And we intentionally decided because of the wealth this business is bringing through and the abundance this business is bringing through that he can go back to acting. And so he's acting again. I have a business model that is all one-on-one and everyone has told me to scale and make more money. I should be doing something else. But because I feel like I have abundance, I feel like I'm allowed to choose the business model I want and I don't have to pick something just to make money. And Mm -hmm. that feels so abundant and wealthy. I'm almost going to cry like to me. And I can share more about that because I learned a lot through my dad who I lost a couple of years around this. But like, Mm -hmm. to me, that is like, to like the ultimate, Mm -hmm. I don't know, ultimate Yeah. Yeah. And I think anything that allows you to, like you use the word unapologetic a lot because your podcast is unapologetic questions, something like that is the time. Yeah. Unapologetic questions for unapologetic results. Yes. Yes. So I feel like it allows you to, because you have that safety, because you have that abundance and overflow, it allows you to unapologetically pursue your path versus feeling like somebody has the right one and you don't. Um, And I think that that is so, it's such a release in terms of like just lightness on your life. And I also feel like you had that before you had the wealth stick with me here because it seems like it's more of a mindset in terms of like you chose to leap before the net appeared and moved to New York. And I think that a lot of people think like, oh, even though I feel this like emotional pull towards a city, I can't actually choose that. Or I can't, I don't have that in my arsenal in terms of what I can decide. So I feel like it's, I mean, there are different levels of it for sure, but it's the like willingness to decide. Would you agree with that? I think that's really fair. I appreciate that reflection. I do think that's mm-hmm. just been a mindset. For, I mean, it's the same. I moved to yes. LA. I'd never even been there before to pursue a career that people would say is potentially crazy. So I do think it is, mm-hmm. it's a value of mine. And I think yep. the willingness to do that is to me, I think really a wealthy 
mindset because I think the money follows that, but you kind of do have to have the mindset and trust for that first. And Mm -hmm. then sort of conversely, then once the money follows, it does feel so abundant. I, I always think money is so much more about having the power of choice Mm-hmm. and discernment. And we just get more and more power of choice and discernment when we have more wealth and money. And so in that way, I do feel like my husband and I are able to make choices that would have been just more challenging to make if we didn't have mm-hmm. have that privilege of money coming through the door. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, yeah. sort of like, yes, and both, both and, but yes, it definitely yeah. was there before. What is your, do you... I don't know why I'm going down this road, but do you do anything with human human design? Do you know what your human design is? I know my human design, but I don't know a lot about it. I'm a manifesting okay. generator. And I think I just looked this up. I think I'm a four six. Okay. But do I don't know, know a ton, like, ton about it. Authority is. So it's like ego, um, emotional, splenic, sacral. Does that like ring any sort of bell? I just I could probably Wait one second. I could probably look this up. Yeah, I feel look like I up. took a screenshot. I I'm, like took one of those quizzes recently because I'm like, everyone's talking about human design and I, I don't know, know mine. It's my I current wasn't... obsession. Like I don't really know how much I truly believe in it, but I definitely feel like it's a it's a an entry point to help me understand myself a little bit, which I love. But I'm the reason I'm asking is because I'm curious uh, what your like decision making style is. And mm. so you can speak to that, but you can also tell me what you find. It'll take me forever to pull pull this up, but okay, it is it's fine. so fascinating, and I think mm-hmm. it is. I, I remember reading through, and I was like, "Oh, this is so accurate." Yes. I just had never yeah. done it before, so I, I think you're totally spot on on that. But my decision making process is that what you're asking? Yeah, like, do you make decisions quickly, or has that been something you've had to grow in? Or I think I do have a pretty good skill set at making decisions quickly. Sometimes I can make them a little too quickly in mm-hmm. terms of I can be a little. I, I very much trust my gut. And I mean, I came back from New York city and within two weeks, I quit my job and like <laughs> decided to move. Like it was, some yeah. people will call that impulsive. Some people will call that quick decision-making, but I'm yep. also, um, I'm very much also a fact finder and a researcher. I just tend to do quick research mm-hmm. and distill it quickly and then not want to over-research to make a decision. So I don't know if that if that makes mm-hmm. sense or answers the question here. Yeah, totally. I can relate with that too. I feel like I have a very um, quick feeling on whether something is right for me or not. And as soon as I have that feeling, there's no going back. Like there's no like, oh, but I could do this first. I'm like, well, why don't we just do it if we're going to do it at some point anyway? So I definitely relate with that. I think I basically am exactly what a confirmation bias is in terms of I make the decision. And then if I do research, it's just to confirm the decision I've already made, but like, there's no talking me out of something. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Okay. What is number three on your list? Oh, okay. So um, this is like kind of a, a big one, but Mm -hmm. because I I feel like we went from coffee to this, but I recently have been obsessed with, well, I've always been obsessed with art. I'm an ex-actress. Like I'm an artistic person. My husband is an actor. So I really feel wealthy and abundant knowing we have the resources to invest in the arts in some way, shape or form, Mm -hmm. whether that's going to see a Broadway play, whether that is to support a friend who during COVID is an actor, whether that is, we just recently invested in some artwork from a friend of my husband. So that is definitely on like the bougier side of things, but I think it has such a deep 
meaning for us. And we get so, I feel like it pays me back times a thousand. Mm -hmm. So that I would say is probably number, these are not necessarily in any order, but the third one that comes up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, how often do you guys go to like shows and things like that in New York? We, I would say we go to galleries more than shows. Like we love shows. We're going to, it's our um, honeymoon coming up. So we always go see a show then like usually a couple times a year, but our galleries as well. It's it's like free museums. We'll go to museums all the time, but we also just love to like, we like are known at some of the galleries here because we'll just like go and like, what new, what new art do you have for us to look at? Yeah. I love that. I was, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, um, was a musician. I started out as a music major and I was a vocal performance like opera and music theater major and everything in college. And then I decided that that just wasn't the path that I wanted to go down because I'm like, okay, the tippy top of what I'm aiming for would probably make the same as like maybe a teacher or something. And so, and it's very unlikely to get to that top. And I was like, I'm just not into putting in the work for that. Like I wasn't committed enough. So, but with that, I just have this like bodily response to music and like any sort of live performance or anything like that. So I totally understand it just kind of like makes you feel like purposeful somehow and alive. like you're a part of something huge. Yes. Yes. A lot. I mean, I'm that person who will cry, you know, like, and yeah. just listening to music. So I, I did not know that about you. So that's fascinating. And yeah. I don't know, I'd be so curious for everyone listening. If you get a bodily response to art, whether it's music or performances oh. or artwork, I, I just sort of assume that everybody does, but maybe they yeah. don't, but my, I don't think my husband does. Interesting. I think he, it, he very much is like a, not in a bad way. He, um, kind of has more even keel emotions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the highs and lows he doesn't necessarily have as much access to. So I just don't think it stirs up quite as mm-hmm. much in him. But he also didn't grow up with with music or art either. In the, in the so same I don't way. Know if he appreciates it in the same way. So I would be curious to hear from everybody else if they kind of feel that or if that's just like not a thing for them yeah and and very valid if it's not but it is for me and and to the like what makes you feel wealthier stirs that up what's coming up for me as we're talking about this is before I had the money to invest in a piece of art that we're going to hang in our wall literally going to a gallery and feeling like I can be the kind of person who belongs in a gallery or they do free concerts in New York city all the time, or they do some concerts that are paid, but they're, you can hear, but they have like a fence around it. I remember when I was like scraping by my friends and I would go and like sit outside the gates, but that made me feel all the feels. And so I think there's something to like, yes, of course it feels so like, beyond luxurious and expansive to like have a piece on your wall. But there were so many ways I tapped into that feeling before I could ever literally spend a dime. So, you know, go to the museums when they had like the $5, whatever days. So I think maybe just reflecting that as well, because I think for whatever makes us feel wealthy, there's a way to tap into it without necessarily spending a whole lot of money. Yes. And I think part of that too, is just the willingness to be present in it. Like you're not going to feel the emotional response if you're just like, oh, this is just like a thing that I do all the time. Like you have to have that presence and appreciation for it, for it to truly activate that feeling in you. And you can do that 
with anything. Like I can do that with my headphones in listening to Hamilton or something like, you know, it just depends on kind of how you are choosing to feel in that moment, which I love that distinction. So thank you. Okay. I have so many more, but I I can like try to distill it to two because I know we're trying to keep five and otherwise we'll be on for like 45 minutes. Um, The next one's a little more practical, but it actually feels maybe important to speak to because it is a really big one for me and maybe how my mind works. But I think it's one we don't always talk about with this conversation. One of the things that makes me feel incredibly wealthy is that I, my mindset is always, how can I leverage my money to make more money and to make it work Mm -hmm. for me? And so something that makes me feel very wealthy is knowing that I'm doing that and that I'm literally building wealth and that I know my money is on track to be at a place where I'm going to be able to retire early. And I'm going to be in a position where I only have to work if I want to work because of the investments I've made and what my money is doing. And that maybe I should have started with because that beyond anything is like, that makes me feel wealthy AF and gives me Mm -hmm. just such a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I believe our coach Lacey did a live on this yesterday, maybe the other day. Mm-hmm. And basically she was talking about the fact that so many people point to income and wealth in terms of the top line revenue of your business. Like that's the only way to build that. But I think we both have been able to see that even if we don't have on paper, the highest top line revenue that we can do so much with that money. And I think that that is so much more of an indicator of the actual safety that you have in your life of the actual wealth that you're building. Um, because probably everybody listening knows that top line revenue does not equal take home revenue. And so it really can vary in terms of the success that you're creating in your life and your business in terms, in relation to the income that you bring in. Thousand percent. I always say to my clients, it's not just the money you make, but it's how you make your money and then what you do with your money. I care so much about how I make my money and I want the freedom around that, but I also care what I do with my money. And when I was acting, I didn't know this was my path moving forward. And that is definitely a career where it's like, yeah, you can make a gazillion dollars or be waiting tables forever. I started investing my tips at 21 because my mindset was like, I don't care how much money I make, I'm going to be wealthy. And this is the way to do that. And so that is just, I think, maybe helpful for everyone to hear. It's so much less about how much you're making and what you're doing with it. There's, um, Mm -hmm. oh, there's someone very smart in the money world. It's a male and I cannot think of his name, but he basically speaks to your business being a vehicle not to basically maybe probably was Lacey was talking about not to make money, but to be a vehicle to use to invest in and to build your wealth and that wealth is a habit and not, mm-hmm. not uh, something that just happens, but it's a habit. And so that's just something that really rings true for me is like, mm-hmm. it really is a habit of what you're doing with your money. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's a, everybody quote that and then tag us on Instagram. Wealth is a habit. <laughs> that's a good one. And don't quote me for it. I, I, I need to think of who the the person who said that because that is not my now. genius, but, but I'll it really is. It's if yeah. you're, if you're taking like $10 a month, like it's just amazing. It's like, if just, if you're in that habit, then when you make more money, you'll just put more money back into your wealth building and then Absolutely. compounding just works in your favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I know that's yeah, not necessarily what the conversation that. is about today, but that is definitely one of mine. And I like to For geek sure. out and like, look at my husband and I have a money date every week and we look at all of mm-hmm. our assets and we're like, this that. is, this is so fun. <laughs> I know we do. We do that. Like probably twice a year, but like specifically at the end of the year, going into the next year, my husband and I will do like our, um, kind of like 
asset allocation analysis to put it in a very complicated term and just see how our like net worth has grown from year to year. And it's very nerdy, but it's very satisfying. I can totally identify with that. No, it's very, we do that every week. So I might just be yes. a little extra. This might just tell you <laughs> yeah. that I'm on the extra side of things. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. The other one that comes to mind for me, I'm trying to think of which one I want to share. Um, I think the other, the other one I'll share in terms of what makes me feel wealthy is having the overflow to invest in experiences and, or like self-care. And I'll explain what I mean by that, but I, it feels mm-hmm. so expansive to me. I remember when I moved to the city and I like probably had just booked my first coaching client, had a little overflow. I was like, I got to go to a soul cycle class. Mm-hmm. And cause it's just like, that does feel a little like no one needs to pay that much money for right. a single spin class, but it is like yes. spin puts me in my happy place and mm-hmm. it feels so good. And it's an experience. And it just felt like I, I was like, I am just the richest person in the entire world right now. And mm-hmm. so that to me, like now we have a really nice gym or just things like that, where I can pay for an experience, but particularly one, it's kind of similar to the art thing, but that like feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. Like I'm investing in therapy right now and I don't really need therapy at this point. It just feels yeah. so good to have and so mm-hmm. supportive. And that just feels like overflow amongst overflow. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like too, you can kind of, um, entertain like your rabbit holes kind of like yeah. wherever you're yeah. kind of interest is taking you in that moment, you can invest more in therapy or you can invest more in exercise if that's what you're really enjoying right now versus it needing to be like an all or nothing sort of thing. Totally. I took last winter, I took a bunch of hip hop classes because Mm -hmm. I just like missed dancing. And like, let's be very honest. I'm not about to become a professional hip hop dancer, (laughs) but I think before having a little overflow, my mindset was very, we either spend money on like the necessities or what's going to grow the business and make us money. So it Mm -hmm. does feel very abundant. Like I'm just doing this because it's fun. And for no other reason, than it's just fun to learn a little hip hop that no one will ever see me do, but this class. And I think that's what you're, what you're saying. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I love this list. I feel like we kind of spanned like the really deep things and the things that seem surface level, but my argument is that those things are actually very deep too. So I feel like we kind of dove into that. So I would love for you to tell us as we're kind of wrapping up, what is one thing in your life that you're really focusing on embracing more right now? Would you mind just so that I can answer this in a way that's beneficial? Are you asking me with wealth, with money, or just overall something that I'm focusing on? Um, Something that's involved in your life vision. Like as you see yourself in the future, what is something that you're kind of working toward bringing to life in terms of that? Okay. I'm going to answer. I can't just say one thing, two things that come to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. So one thing just on kind of the money wealth, like side of things, I'm Mm -hmm. very focused on investing to reach a certain number in my investments where I know Mm -hmm. if my husband, I chose not to work. We could live off of the interest alone. And I love my work so much. I don't think I'll ever not want to work, but I really just love knowing that we would have that literal mm-hmm. freedom to decide. And it's just a fun goal to work towards. So that's, mm-hmm. that is long-term goal. It's not happening overnight and um, maybe more immediate. This is going to sound so fucking cheese ball but I'm <laughs> Just in a season of life where I am so content and so where I'm just like, how, 
how did I create this? Like, this is so pinch me dream life. And so a lot of what I'm working on is like letting myself sit in to expand that and not, not that I don't like want other things, but I think it's, especially for my wiring, so easy to always like jump to the next thing or to like mm-hmm. not trust that things are good. And so just one of my focuses is really like, how can I just embrace and savor and enjoy even more of this and let like literally what you said at the beginning of the episode, let the good be good and like trust mm-hmm. that it's good. So it's sort of like an anti-focus, but it's very yeah. much for me, like part of my, my like life's inner work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That speaks to me so much right now. Cause I feel like I'm kind of going through the similar thing. It's like, okay, you've brought this thing to life that you have like been working on and now you can just like sit and enjoy it instead of like thinking about the next thing you want to bring to life because maybe there isn't a next thing. And I think that that is something that can be challenging for achievers and hustlers, quote unquote, to reconcile with is like, what if this is the thing that like allows you to live your best life? And yeah, how do you kind of wrap your mind around that? Or is that like what you feel like you're working on? I mean, I just got goosebumps when you said that. I, th- yeah. I think it's it, I think it's so much that. And I, I think that's a helpful framing for everyone because I think otherwise it can sound like almost like it's an anti-goal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think our brains have a hard time with that. But I think to what you're saying, it is honestly in some way for me the hardest work I've ever had to do because I've spent my whole life achieving and achieving. I mean, the blessing and curse with being an actor is yeah. you're always on audition and on to the next. Like it just feeds that like part of us and business can be that way. So to be mm-hmm. at a place where things like you're saying, it's like, what if there isn't another big goal? I think yeah. it's very, very fucking confronting. And mm-hmm. so like, that's literally just the work right now. And who knows, maybe there'll be another goal. I find it hard to believe right, I won't have right. one, but it's, yes. then it will come from a place of it's a true goal, not a, I'm just in this pattern of like, do more, right. achieve more, make more. Yeah. And I think Oddly enough, a lot of our achiever patterns are actually avoidance, which is a very hard thing to come to terms with. So I definitely have had to be like, okay, I'm looking for the next thing. What am I actually trying to avoid in this present thing by kind of like switching my brain to that? So sometimes we're trying to avoid the good. It makes me think of the Gay Hendricks big mm-hmm. leap where yes. it's, he's like, oh. what good are you trying to avoid that come that's trying to come through? He has a question similar to that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that I think Kim seven and a half years ago would have heard our conversation and Mm -hmm. basically rolled her eyes and thought we were full of so much shit to be like, oh, really? You're trying to avoid the good, like must suck to be you. And now that I'm in it, and I really think this is harder Mm -hmm. to like, to stretch into Mm -hmm. than the opposite, um, like the striving, the achieving. And I think it's so much more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're like, you guys suck, what are you talking about? Trust me. <laughs> it will. And I think that it doesn't like this doesn't necessarily even come about at a certain income level or anything like that. Like, I think it just is allowing yourself to 
deepen into what you've already created and really just let that breathe for a second before you kind of move on to the next thing. So, okay. I loved our conversation so much. Thank you. Can you share with everybody where they can find you, connect with you further, all that yes, stuff? I would love to, and I'll try to keep it concise because I'm in a lot of places at this point, but mm-hmm. I think the two easiest places to find me are my Facebook group, which is called Business Besties and Creative Bosses. I think we're at about 17,000 people and you can sell wow. in there and promote and we would love to have you. And then my podcast is called One Question, Unapologetic Questions for Unapologetic Results. And you're going to be on yes. it. So you should chime in and listen, if nothing else, for, for your episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Kim's podcast is so good. I've been a listener for a long time and it really kind of unearths really unique conversations about business, which I think is so needed in the podcast space because I'm sure all of us are like, okay, everybody talks about the same stuff all the time. So I feel like it kind of goes in a direction and through a lens that helps business owners get really specific and you always walk away with something really tangible to apply to your life. So thank you so much. And hopefully we will chat again on the podcast at some point. I know that your feel wealthy list is kind of always changing and evolving. And this was such a great combo. So thank you. Thank you so, so much for having me. I loved the conversation and would love to hear from anyone. If you have an insight or anything like that, we love, love, love to hear what comes up for you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in on this episode of the Feel Wealthy Show. If you love it here, then be sure to leave a five-star rating or review for the podcast. When you leave a five-star rating or review, you'll actually be entered to win the Feel Wealthy feature of the month. That's where I snail mail you something from my very own Feel Wealthy list as a thank you for supporting the podcast. I'm also a firm believer that the highest form of flattery is a recommendation, so I would be honored if you'd shout us out on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at Jess Jordana so I can gush in thanks in the DMs. It really means so much. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, I hope you remember that an absolutely essential part of creating real tangible wealth in your life is choosing to feel wealthy now instead of waiting for later. Talk to you soon.